Can you hear? Finally, finally. <laughs> Folks, you're very welcome to our service this morning. This is the, the first Sunday in Advent, and uh, it's uh, a great joy to be here to worship with you this morning. A special welcome if you're a, if you're a visitor, and uh, we trust that God will richly bless you as you worship with us. And please don't rush off afterwards. Please stay for a cup of tea or coffee and give us a chance to get to know you a bit better. Today we're going to begin our Advent series and our theme is Hope for Everyone. And we pray that as we journey towards Christmas together that our hope in Christ will be renewed and strengthened as we think about this theme. Um, on that, along those lines, I want to open our service this morning by just reading a few verses from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So let's come to our Savior and God now this morning and praise him. And just before we start, I wonder, would Annie light the Advent candle for us? We didn't see very much of Annie last Christmas, so we're going to make sure we do this time. Oh. I'm maybe not the best person either. <laughs> Our opening praise is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Let's come before God now in prayer. Let's pray. Father of hope, we give you thanks for a new day. We arise today to a horizon that draws our eye to see beyond the everyday, to a dawn gently lighting up the wonders of your creation, to a new appreciation of your abundant blessings. For this and more we thank you. 
Father of hope, we give you thanks for a new season. We arise today to the knowledge that your Son, our Lord, is coming, to the hope that we have through his death and resurrection, to the promise of your unfailing love. For this and more, we thank you. Father of hope, we give you thanks for a new start. We arise today in the assurance of sins forgiven, turning our backs on the ways of judgment and criticism, leaving behind our narrow-minded assumptions, reaching out to enemy and friend with generous, compassionate hearts. For the promise of a new start, a new season, a new day, for these gifts and for so much more, we thank you. As we pray in the strong name of your Son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 1. You'll find that on page 1025 of the Pew Bibles. Luke chapter 1, reading from verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit 
even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come through at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. I'm waiting at the bus stop. Have you guys been here long? Maybe, maybe not. Allegra asked when the bus was coming earlier. And because uh, she wants to know, and I want to know too. Uh, just have to wait. But I know the bus is coming. In fact, I even know the name of the bus driver. Well, I know of the name of the bus driver, um, the, the last bus driver, Malachi, um, 400 years ago. But I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Uh, waiting can be tough. Do you guys find waiting tough? Have you guys ever waited for a bus? Yeah. For a very long time? Yes. What's the longest you've waited? You're not answering. Over we moved to Florida. What? Over an hour. Over an hour. We moved to Florida when I was, uh, when I was 10. And the buses only came once an hour scheduled. So if they weren't on time, it was a very long time. Wait, it's really tough to wait for a bus. 
Well, did you guys hear what Dave was reading about? He's reading about Zechariah. Well, Zechariah was waiting for something as well. Do you guys know what Zechariah was waiting for? What? Waiting for a baby? Well, I don't think he was in the temple waiting for a baby. And if he was, that's the wrong place to be waiting for a baby. So, waiting for a Messiah. He was waiting for God to speak. But it had, it had been a long time. Well, since the last bus driver came around Malachi 400 years before. So he'd been waiting and waiting and waiting. And then he got a surprise. The angel Gabriel came into his presence in full power. Not little, tiny, and huge. So much that Zechariah was afraid. I, I would be afraid if a big angel came in my presence as well. He said, don't be afraid. And then this is a weird thing. Because Zechariah is there, and he's supposed to be there to be waiting for a word from God. And he's in the temple. And in fact, he's the only one in the temple, in this special part of the temple. And in fact, being in that special part of the temple was an honor. It was an honor to wait on God in that special place. There were other people who were waiting as well, but they couldn't even wait inside. They had to wait outside. But they were waiting. This was special. Zechariah was waiting. And then this angel comes. And the angel doesn't talk about the big, the big plan that Zechariah figures, well, God must be speaking. He says, your prayers have been answered. Yours and Elizabeth's prayers, you and your wife's prayers have been answered. They wanted a baby. They wanted to have a child. They wanted a child for a very, 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 very long time. They were old. I'm not talking 30. I'm talking old. See, because when I was your age, 30 was old. They were old. They were older than me. And they were waiting. They were waiting and waiting, praying and praying. But this was their desire, their personal desire, not the hope of the, the Jewish nation for Zechariah and Elizabeth to have a child. It was their personal thing. And the angel Gabriel arrives and he says, God has heard your prayers for a child. God will answer your prayers for a child. Amazing. In fact, Zechariah doesn't believe it. It's impossible. It's improbable. He's old, really, really old, much older than 30. And Elizabeth is old, much older than 30. And it just seems impossible. But with God, the impossible, the improbable is possible. And God answers his waiting. Sometimes we're waiting for a bus. Sometimes we're waiting for other things. Um, it's the 1st of December, 
So maybe somebody here in this room, in this big room of strangers and friends and family are waiting for Christmas. Is anybody waiting for Christmas? Yeah. How about birthdays? Do you ever wait for birthdays? Can't wait to be, what, what birthday are you coming up to? Your birthday is always before, and your birthday is always after. It's weird, except when it's on the day. So, what, How old will you be on your next birthday? Twelve. Twelve, and when will that be? Um, November. November. November, that's a long time. You've got a long time to wait for November. And when you're 11, November 2020 is a very long time away. In fact, the 25th of December is a very long time to wait. And um, yeah. so waiting for a long time is tough. Waiting for an hour for a bus is a long time. Waiting for a month to go by for Christmas, waiting for your birthday, waiting to grow up. Um, when you get a little older, you'll be waiting for the spots to go. Um, if you have health issues, you'll be waiting for health issues to be answered, be healthy. Um, there's lots of things to wait for. And sometimes it can be really painful and just seem like it takes forever. And we all go through this. We all have to wait. And it's tough and it's boring. And we look at our clocks and we wonder when the seconds will go by uh, and the minutes and the hours and the days. But we're waiting. Sometimes we're personally calling out to God, waiting like Zechariah and Elizabeth were, personally calling out to God, could we possibly have a child? Could you bless us with a child? Um, I prayed, you know, could I have friends? That was a big prayer for me for God. Could I have friends? Could I be handsome? Could I be six foot tall? Uh, I've switched over to metric, but I still don't know what six foot tall is in metric. So, um, could I be older? Could I be an adult? Could I be able to drive? Uh, could I be married? And I didn't know. I just had to wait. Hold on, Miguel. I'll come back to you. And then once we were married, unless you weren't answering a question. <laughs> uh, when Allegra and I got married, then it was waiting. Would we have a... When Lorraine and I were married, Lorraine and I were married, Lorraine and I were waiting, we hoped for a child. And we went to God for a child. Uh, and uh, God sometimes takes a long time. And you never know what you're going to get. Like Zachariah, we have to wait for God. Sometimes it can seem really, really hard and a yawn. But you know, God can do the possible. He can make the impossible possible. He can make the thing that is, seems just not, not going to happen, happen. Currently, I'm waiting on family that I love, friends that I love who don't know Jesus. I'm waiting for them. I'm waiting on God to bring them to 
the knowledge of Jesus. That's my prayer. That's my waiting. And I wait. Hopefully you'll remember that as we wait and sing a song. whose birthday it is today. It's Balthazar's birthday. I'm always very jealous of that name. David is pretty boring, but Balthazar. Imagine saying, my name's Balthazar. Magic. Mark's as well. Mark's as well. Oh, two birthdays. So let's sing happy birthday to them. Happy Diary. See, next Sunday, we're continuing our series in Advent. And Brother Ken here is going to speak to us next Sunday. So I hope you'll all come out then and hear what he has to say to us. If you'd like to be prayed for this morning, there'll be prayer ministry up at the front. Somewhere our little table's disappeared, but if you come up into the organ area here, Somebody will pray for you. Committee meets on Tuesday at half past seven. And then you'll see there, uh, next Saturday is the Sunday special Christmas party from 3 until 5.30. And I hope you've let Carol know by, well, today, if you're coming along to that. Also next Saturday, K2 are going bowling in Stillorgan. And uh, you need to let Carol know if you're going to be coming along to that as well. Living Well also meets next Saturday at 10.30 in Alan and Heather's home in Bray. So if you're of that certain age, you might, might like to pop along to that. Our Carols by Candlelight will be on Sunday the 15th, so just make a wee note of that in your diary. And think about inviting some of your friends and maybe work colleagues along to that service. Cafe as usual next Friday, which if I'm right is the last one of this term. So if you're an international student, please come along to that and bring your friends. Asset there, number eight, uh, the collection of hampers for families suffering from AIDS and HIV. The hampers need to be in the church here by next Sunday. I think that's everything, but I'd just like to ask Karen to come up. She wants to talk a little bit about the knit and natter. As you can see from the photograph, these are the ladies that met during the month 
of November for our Knit and Natter. And Peter, if you give us the next slide, <clears throat> this is our what we produced. So each person took a character and we all knit and we did a lot of nattering at the same time. So on behalf of everyone in the congregation, I want to say every, thank you to all the ladies that came and we really had a good time. I also want to say thank you to Ray and Roman who came uh, when I asked uh, an invitation two weeks ago to help someone in Caterpillar Kids and they came with myself and we helped clear a room. That family would like painting done and we hope to do it uh, on Thursday night at 6.30 if anyone else is available to give us a hand, get in touch. And I have been in touch with the Tear Fund office as well regarding Tear Fund and I still don't have a date for our carol singing but I will certainly let you know as soon as I can. Thank you. So, we're starting our Advent series, Hope for Everyone. Today, I want to talk a little bit about dealing with disappointment. The big message of Christmas is that every one of us, no matter our background, our circumstances, our life history, every single one of us is loved by God. I think that fact alone should help us overcome whatever disappointments come our way in life. But does it? Maybe not so much. But even more than that, God loves us so much that he was prepared to send his only son to experience all that we experience, even the disappointments, and then to die a shameful death on the cross to give us a way to be reconciled to God. That's why we celebrate his coming. That is why we can have hope because his coming transforms what is possible for us. Take Elizabeth and Zechariah, for example. We are told that they are righteous, that they walk blamelessly in all the statutes and commands of the Lord, and yet they were childless. In those days, being childless was generally viewed as a punishment from God. And we're also told that they were advanced in years, so age has put an end to any lingering hope. It seems a very odd way for Luke to begin his gospel, his good news. To our ears, it seems incredibly insensitive to broach such a private and painful subject, because in our culture, we would never dream of doing such a thing. But you see, to Luke's contemporaries, it would have sent a very clear signal that something momentous was about to happen. You've probably noticed in reading through the Old Testament just how often a new advance in God's story begins in barrenness. Abraham and Sarah, Jacob and Rachel, Manoah and his wife, Elkanah and Hannah. It's a theme 
That's repeated again and again. To the first readers of Luke's gospel, it would have sent a signal that God's about to do something great. Because in every one of those stories, childlessness is the precursor to the birth of a son who will become a major player in salvation history. It happens every time. So Luke's first readers would would have been on the edge of their seats because they know what's coming. But I don't want to rush ahead too quickly. There's an important point to note here. So I, I want you to try and put yourselves in Elizabeth and Zechariah's shoes. I want you to imagine how they must have felt. Elizabeth is a daughter of Aaron and a cousin of Jesus' mother, Mary. Zechariah is a Levite from the Abijah clan and a priest serving his rotation in the temple. They are pious Jews who keep the commandments and live a godly, upright life. They are the sort of people that we would expect God to bless. And yet here they are, they're barren, childless. In their minds, they must have wondered what they did wrong. Why was God punishing them when they were serving him as best they knew how? Imagine the sense of disappointment. Imagine the doubts they must have had. Maybe that sounds all too familiar to you. Maybe you have prayed and prayed for something and God just seems to be ignoring you. Time goes on and nothing changes. You learn to live with disappointment. You wonder what you did wrong. You wonder why God doesn't answer. You start to doubt You maybe even start to get angry. But what I find fascinating in this story is what happens when the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah in the temple. Gabriel tells Zechariah that he will have a son. And not just any son. Gabriel says he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Look at Zechariah's response. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. He's not buying it, is he? He's lost hope. Even though it's the angel Gabriel himself who's giving him this good news, he can't get his head around it. He's prayed for so long without an answer, that he struggles to believe even an archangel. But what I want you to notice is how Gabriel began his message to Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. So although Zechariah has been childless for years, although he and Elizabeth are old, Although he's disappointed, although he has doubts, although he's lost hope, 
He's never stopped praying. Isn't that amazing? Zechariah comes from the school of the persistent widow. Do you remember that parable that Jesus told of the widow who kept pleading with the unjust judge for justice? Although Jesus said that the judge didn't fear God or man, he granted the widow's wishes because of her persistence. His point being, how much more will God, the just judge, grant the plea of those who cry out to him? But that's not all we can learn from the angel Gabriel. When Zechariah demonstrates his unbelief by asking, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife's well on in years. Gabriel puts him in his place. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Gabriel's a bit put out, isn't he? Zechariah's response is not quite what he'd pictured in his mind. He was expecting that when Zechariah heard that God was granting his prayer for his son, there would have been more jumping up and down, popping of champagne corks. Instead, what does he get? He gets disbelief and doubt. Now, I can sympathize with Zechariah here because I can just imagine how I would react if Gabriel appeared to me today and told me I was going to be a father again. I would say something like, seriously? I'm too old for this, which is probably exactly what Zechariah was thinking. The problem with that response, though, although it's a very natural and a very understandable one, is that it's self-centered. And that's why when Gabriel replies, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news, and now you will be silent. He's really saying, Zechariah, it's not about you. God decides what happens, when it happens, and how it happens. So shut up. How often do we pray like Zechariah with just our agenda in mind? We forget that it's not about us. It's all about what God wants, what his will is. And that's as it should be. Because he is the only one who can see the big picture. Another interesting point to note is that while there are quite a few stories of children being born to barren women in the Old Testament, Elizabeth is the only example of this in the New Testament. Elizabeth and Zechariah mark the end of the Old Covenant, just as they mark the beginning of Luke's Gospel.
they link the old and the new. And Elizabeth's experience is remarkably similar to the experience of Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. Do you remember the story? Hannah was also barren. And that was really hard for her to bear because her husband's other wife, Penina, had children. And she cruelly reminded Hannah of that fact at every available opportunity. However, God heard Hannah's prayer and she gave birth to Samuel, who bears a striking resemblance to John. Just like Samuel, John is a Nazarite, a child who was dedicated to God even before he was conceived. And just as Samuel was sent to prepare a spiritually barren nation for a king, so John was sent to prepare a spiritually barren nation for the king of kings, the promised Messiah. John even looks like an Old Testament prophet with his camel hair coat and his Spartan lifestyle out in the desert, living off a diet of locusts and wild honey, a sort of an early entrant for I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. But to be serious again, being childless or barren is a very difficult thing to deal with. We tend to assume that when we want to have kids, it will just happen as a matter of course. But sometimes things don't fall into place as easily as that. And we can be left absolutely devastated when we're told that it just isn't going to happen. I have some experience of this because one of my sisters and one of my brothers have been unable to have children. And I've seen the pain and the heartbreak as they explored every avenue only to have their hopes dashed. In the end, they have to deal with massive disappointment. And they're left with more questions than answers most of which revolve around the unanswerable, why me? I think it's hard for us today to appreciate the full drama of the stories of Hannah and Elizabeth because it's hard for us to feel the weight of the shame and disgrace that barrenness brought to a woman living at that time and in that culture. Back then, a woman's primary duty in a marriage was to produce offspring, and in particular, male offspring, to ensure the continuation of the family line. And notice that in every single case of barrenness that's recorded in the Bible, the miracle child is always a male child. If a woman remained barren, she was looked upon as a failure, as a wife and and as a woman. It was the ultimate shame and disgrace. And the drama's heightened further because in each of these stories we're told that the couple are old. That is, they're well past childbearing age. 
all hope is gone until God steps in with a miraculous intervention that totally transforms the situation. You see, it isn't over till it's over. It would be fair to say that Irish rugby fans had more than their fair share of disappointment in 2019. And that disappointment was all the more acute because 2018 was such a marvelous year. And yet it's easy to forget that 2018 could have been a very different story. That year, Ireland started the Six Nations as firm favorites, something we've always hated, and usually a bad omen. Our first match was against France and Paris, a place where we've won only a very few times. When the match started, Ireland were playing like champions, dominating the possession, controlling the game. But although we led all through the game, we didn't manage to pull away from the French. And then right at the end of the game, catastrophe. France scored a try and took the lead. It looked like the favourites tag had done for us yet again. But after the restart, the Irish team dug deep and they worked their way back up the pitch. They went through 41 phases of blood, sweat and tears with the clock in the red. And then finally the ball gets passed back to Johnny Sexton and he doesn't hesitate. Even though he's 42 metres from the goal, he drop kicks the ball and the whole nation held its breath. There was probably more prayers went up from Ireland than those few seconds than at any point in our history. <laughs> but the ball flew straight and through and passed between the posts. Ireland had won a famous victory and it changed everything. They went on to win every game in the Six Nations and were crowned Grand Slam champions. And after the Six Nations, Johnny Sexton and Leinster went on to win the double of the European Champions Cup and the Pro 14 League. There's never been a season like it in Irish rugby history. They won everything. And it all goes back to that one defining moment when they refused to accept defeat and the prospect of a barren season. It isn't over till it's over. It could just as easily have gone the other way and we would have had to face the disappointment of a fruitless season. But that wind changed everything and all through the rest of the season when they were up against it, all they had to do was remember the miracle in Paris and the belief would come back and it made them invincible. And the result was the most fruitful of all seasons. Think that's a great story? Well, I have a far better one for you. I think it's fair to say that the conception of Samuel and John by barren women was a bit special. But the conception of Jesus 
was of a different order entirely. Mary wasn't barren, but as far as miraculous births go, Jesus can rightly claim his as the ultimate. And that was only the start. His life transcended all other lives. But it was his death that really shook things up. We've been saying it isn't over till it's over. But when his disciples witnessed Jesus' crucifixion at the hands of the Romans, they just assumed that it really was over. There they were, hiding in the upper room, scared out of their wits. Jesus, their leader and friend, has just been crucified. Their dream has ended. All hope is gone. And they're trying to come to terms with crushing disappointment. Sound familiar? And then comes the hammering on the door. And the women burst in and tell them that Jesus is risen from the dead. And even then, it just sounds completely crazy to them. They're just like Zechariah when Gabriel told him he was going to have a son. It's all just too good to be true. It's not until Jesus appears to them and shows them the nail marks in his hands that they dare to believe that he has risen. What a game changer that was. It wasn't over after all. Mind you, it took them pretty much the rest of their lives to figure out the full significance of what had just happened. But when they were up against it, they didn't put their trust in their own strength like the Irish rugby players. They could put their trust in what Jesus had achieved in his crucifixion and resurrection. They could think back to that Easter morning, that Easter morning when everything changed and the belief would come back. The power of that sustained them through a lifetime of persecution and a painful and violent death for most of them. Many years later, as the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation from exile on Patmos, he encouraged his little group of churches to persevere and endure as he explained that victory comes through what looks like defeat. That same power of Christ is available to each one of us 2,000 years later. And if we let it, it can be a game changer for us too. The point I'm trying to make here is that we all have areas of barrenness in our lives where disappointment threatens to win out over hope. And these stories of barren couples conceiving in their old age, they say to us that it's never too late to be fruitful. The fact that they all give birth to people that God used to further his purposes tells us that our fruitfulness can have an impact beyond our wildest imaginings. 
we need to follow Elizabeth and Zechariah by praying in faith that God will take away our disappointment and unfruitfulness, submit ourselves to his will, and watch what happens. There will be many occasions in life when things don't go the way we'd anticipate it, and the disappointment can be overwhelming. We may be tempted to abandon hope, but that's the very time when we need to direct our thoughts back to Jesus' death and resurrection. As Tom Wright says, we are Easter people. We may have lost a battle, but Jesus has won the war. Victory is assured. There's no need to be disappointed and downhearted. It isn't over till it's over. The writer to the Hebrews talks about faith in chapter 11. And he lists the heroes of the faith. He talks about Isaac, Jacob, Samson, Samuel. Every one of them, miracle babies born to barren women. And then he goes on to say in chapter 12, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What do you think that this great cloud of witnesses would say to us today? Well, I think they would tell us to get over our disappointment, not to lose hope. They would tell us to keep the faith. They would tell us to never give up. Never, ever give up. It isn't over till it's over. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder that you are a God for whom all things are possible. Help us to get our heads around that fact so that we will submit ourselves to your will and allow you to transform the barren areas in our lives into producing the fruit that pleases and honors you. For we ask it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. And now we continue to worship God in our offering. Again. Let's pray. And really, this is our prayers for others. And we'll start looking outside of ourselves and then finish, of course, with the church. Father, we want to say thank you for Alfred coming to us last week. 
and for uh, sharing with us uh, so powerfully about the work of the Wycliffe Bible Translators. Father, we thank you that you have been working in many people's lives, giving them a great desire to speak your word and to translate it so that others can hear. Father, we thank you that you have led Alfred to that particular place. We thank you for his interest in literature and words and how you were shaping him for that particular job. And Father, as we believe that Jesus has the words of eternal life, we continue to pray for the success of the work of the Bible translators as they do their work. Father, we pray for James and Heather Cochran and for the church in Porto. We thank you for their deep desire to see native Portuguese come to faith in Jesus Christ. We pray particularly for their small discipleship groups that have been meeting over the past month. And we pray that you will be with them as they disciple these people and encourage them to be good stewards of all that you have given them. We thank you that there are 10 people who want to join the church and for the membership classes that will begin in the new year. And we give thanks, Father, that you've brought many Brazilian folks to Portugal, and particularly to Porto, who already believe in you. And we pray that they will be well integrated into the church. And Father, we pray for ourselves. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity, says the psalmist. And Father, we want to say thank you to you for your ongoing grace to us. Father, we thank you for establishing us in this place, in the city centre in Dublin. We thank you for keeping us, for blessing us, for using us, and for challenging us. And Lord, we are thankful for all you bring to us, for all who are part of our family. We thank you for wonderful answers to prayer. And indeed, we rejoice at the diversity we have in age and nationality. And we are thankful for the central place that your Son, the cross, and your word have within our church. Lord, help us to love you with heart and soul, mind and strength. Give us hearts of love and obedience to your word. Give us hearts of love and service in your kingdom. Give us hearts of love and concern for those who are not yours. And Father, we pray that you will accept our heartfelt desire for forgiveness and give us a new opportunity to live for you and with each other in relationships that honor you and each other. Give us hearts of love and compassion for all who struggle. And Lord, I pray that you will bless us with joy, joy in your presence, joy in the service of others over Advent, and joy in our lives where we work, live, and pray. Lord, be glorified. Lord, continue to dwell with us. Lord, help us grow and be encouraged as we live as your disciples. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, let's finish our service as we join together to sing the hymn, It Is Well. So let's stand and worship together when peace like a river attendeth my way. So 
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Folks, I echo David's welcome for you to stay and have tea and coffee downstairs. And as it is uh, somebody's birthday, I think there are lots of good goodies down there as well. And uh, there are some calendars which we uh, like for you to take and to give away. Uh, these are uh, gospel calendars designed in Ireland with a very strong Irish theme. And uh, you're welcome to take uh, one or two of them away to give to your friends and we should have enough over that uh, Advent period. So thank you very much.